Blog Talk Radio. Brown on Twitter the other day. That, 
<laughs> that that's correct. That's correct. Got two bedroom, two bath condo. Uh, going through that process. Uh, hopefully, uh, everything's looking to close on the twenty eighth, which is a Wednesday, and that seems to be the day of the week. I've got a lot of extra stuff going on, but hoping to get it taken care of early in the day so I don't miss out uh, on the show. But yeah, uh, very excited about that getting a little place to call my own. Anyone who's been through the home shopping process can attest. It is a beast. It is just after you look at, you know, 20 plus places and, you know, it, it just gets to be a, a chore after a while. Uh, and with the market, the way it is, it, you see something, you, you think you like it. And by the time you put a bid on it, it's already sold. So it, it you know, mm. It's been a pretty, I won't say frustrating, just a long process, but exciting nonetheless. So uh, looking forward to to getting getting settled in. I gave Big Miss to Little Miss, I gave them a sheet of paper, and I said, uh, this is the other day, I said, okay, you know, I explained to them what, what they want, what they need, you know, some things they'd like to see. And uh, Little Miss, who is just, I think, the more pragmatic, uh, at the top of her list for things, toilet paper so <laughs> that's her perspective she wants to make sure that we have the basics basics covered so uh definitely excited about uh about that so yeah heading in the right direction here in a couple of weeks hoping to get that uh help to get that locked in yeah so you know uh, for y'all listening eight four five two seven seven nine three seven three the number to call at test up wednesday on facebook and twitter and what's up to everybody on facebook live i'll See what's going on with that as well. I'm, I'm rocking the, the old school Keep Bowden jersey. TV, you might appreciate that. The number ten. Uh, but getting back to <laughs> getting back to what Little Miss said with with toilet paper. That I mean, that the one of those necessities you don't realize how that you miss it till you run it below the the condo here. Of course, they you know they have some you know to start you off, and then. You know, you go out and buy, you know, buy some food to cook for the week. You know, you're going to be eating out. Get some stuff to snack on. Get a little cereal. Get a little, you know, cookies. Get a little thing that you want to cook something. All that kind of deal. Bought some toilet paper. And actually, we're going out to eat. And we're like, oh, yeah, we got to stop and get some toilet paper because we know we're going to be running out in a couple of days. Pulled into like the Dollar General. It was like 10, right at 10, because we just finished eating. They closed at 10, and so the Dollar General was closed. They had to make a little convenience store run and just got a couple more rows, and we're like, we'll get some more later. And so next thing you know, those rows are about to run out. So, hey, toilet paper can be very important. So, hey, she <laughs> she has not lost sight on that, and that is a good thing. She said the exactly, basic, basic. Exactly. Are the most important. <laughs> That's it. So, uh, well, congratulations on that. Hopefully, the biggest portion of the tediousness and the shopping is all behind you, and you'll be closed and in there like swimwear, as they used to say, and you won't have to, to go through that anymore. So, congratulations to almost having that done. Um, like you mentioned, the final hangover and all of that. You got to start off with UK baseball. Uh, you were there covering the game. Didn't get past those Cardinals there in Louisville, 
but still made history as far as the program is concerned by getting to the Super Regional, advancing farther than they ever have in program history. Uh, Coach Nim Jones had already won SEC Coach of the Year. He uh, doubles down and also wins National Coach of the Year, so congratulations on that as well. But since you were there, I just got to get your thoughts on covering the game, the atmosphere of Super Regional. Uh, Cats come up short, but still, it's a season to be proud of, and the future is bright. So just don't get your thoughts on kind of your observations of covering it yourself and, and how it's like, what it's like out there. Well, you know, here here we are. Uh, it's very similar in my mind to uh, the football rivalry where, uh, obviously, uh, congratulations to Coach uh, Coach Dan. Uh, McDonald and, and his Cardinals making it back to Omaha. Uh, definitely, you, you know, in the baseball parlance, tip your hat, tip your cap to them. But uh, in comparison, look at the two programs. You know, we've talked about the commitment that the athletic directors have made uh, to all the sports, uh, Tom George at Louisville, Mitch Barnhart at UK. But there's a gap between the cards and the cats but the gap isn't as wide as we, you know, as they would like to believe on the Louisville side, or as we kind of see uh, watching the games, particularly the one on Saturday. Uh, it was one of those games. If you've been around baseball for a while, you see where uh, you, uh, I think it was the fourth or fifth inning. We had runners on second and third and uh, either none or uh, no outs or one out and weren't able to push a run across. And, and that's just the way baseball is. It's just a, a weird, quirky thing. Uh, it wasn't, you know, getting beat 14-1, that kind of thing. Uh, so next time these teams play, and I think they will, uh, in, in the Super Regional, uh, I, I'd imagine that the, the uh, outcome would be different. But let me say this. With as impressed as I was with both teams on the field, off the field, and and you will recall, you know, for those folks who don't know, you know, we we work very closely with Cameron Mills Radio and and all those folks, all those writers. We have a big group chat going on, and my first impressions of the this past weekend were both teams being led by just great, great gentlemen, and we talk about. Uh, we talk about our coaches being leaders of men, and that's that's what Coach Mingione, Camp Coach uh, McDonald, Louisville, that were that's what they were all about. Uh, we were waiting for uh, Coach Mingione and, and and the guys to come after the game. We waited almost half an hour, probably longer than. Uh, most folks anticipate it because he was addressing the team and the Kentucky team. And I'm sure folks have seen the clip um, where someone asked him, you know, coach Nick, what, what did you learn from this team? And uh, for as great as this season was, you know, you and I touched on this before, you know, he was a first year coach. You know, his thing was he had to make these relationships with players that he didn't recruit, and he talked about, uh, you know, he, he he didn't know, you know, parents' names, siblings' names of the players on the team, uh, you know, what 
you know, their background. You know, he just called up the guys and, and said that their goal was Omaha and asked them to make a commitment to him and to the program. And look, I don't know the protocol. <laughs> I'm no professional uh, writer, but uh, he got choked up. I got choked up. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I know there's no cr- the cheering in the press box, but is there? can you get emotional? Uh, because he was talking about the commitment the players made to him and the coaches made to the players and that everybody made to the university. And, and being a Kentucky guy like I am, hey, that's, that's what you want to hear. So if he could do this and kind of, uh, you know, he went through and he, and he talked about uh, players that had played out of positions, asked them to do things they hadn't done before, uh, that meant a lot. So I'm excited about the program moving forward. We know the new baseball stadium is coming. Uh, you have to feel encouraged rather than discouraged by the outcome. So uh, L comes in uh, after that, Coach McDonald. Uh, and Brendan McKay, who I forget, he went pretty high in the draft. I forget off the top of my head where he went. Uh, but they talked about their disappointment after getting to the Super Regional level and losing the last two years and the commitment they made to each other. And, uh, well, the first thing that struck me with Coach McDonald, his first comment, he read from the Book of Psalms. And, you know, that to me said a lot. And it was about, uh, and I forget the exact chapter and verse, but it was about finding joy in your pursuit. And he talked about, and the players talked about, pursuit of getting back to Omaha and how it, it wasn't, you know, kind of a monkey to get off their back. You know, we've talked about that before, but a joy if you take joy in every step of the way, you will reach your goal. And look, I know UK L is a rivalry. I get that. But, man, it, it's, it's really hard to root for those guys, to root against those guys, I should say. Uh, of all the coaches we've got, and you and I have talked kind of at length of the coaches I know that we have in Lexington. And, look, I understand Patino, Petrino, whatever you want to say about that. But you about got some really good coaches as well. Good coaches, and I tweeted out, I've said it, I'm going to say it here, if I had a son who was a high school baseball player, it would be tough to pick between the two. And I mean that honestly and sincerely, that Coach McDonald, Coach Mingione, they deserve their Conference Coaches of the Year awards. Hey, I was I was blown away. I was impressed with with uh, with everything so other than the outcome of the game I had a great time uh, there on Saturday uh, I, I mean I was I was just blown away by by both of these coaches it, it just it, it blew me away and I'm looking around the media room and I could tell I wasn't the only person that was and I don't want to say touched or, or but I mean it, it was impactful just being there listening and to both coaches and both teams uh, talk about reaching goals, trusting one another, believing in one another. All those things we want to believe about athletics were on full display. There was humility and victory, and there was graciousness and defeat. I tweeted it. I've said it. I've written it. We, as Cardinal fans and Wildcat fans, 
can learn a lot from our baseball coaches and these baseball teams when it comes to rivalry. And um, uh, one last thing, one comment from Dan McDonald talking, you know, someone asked him, you know, what'd you tell, what'd you tell coach Mingione? He said that he told him, I know you're hurting. I've been there. You know, you had lost at this level two previous years. He said, but because of this moment and the way you're feeling, you all will get to Omaha. So write it down. Maybe not next year, but I'm telling you, I I believe it, and I wish this was something you could bet on in Vegas. At some point, the cats and the cards will play in Omaha. Write it down. I I just I believe it with my heart, and I you know, I feel a little impassioned because hey, I, I really the 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 half hour forty five minutes both those coaches were talking. It was it was wow. I, I'm I'm still just kind of still taking it all in to be honest with you. Ooh. That is really strong, really strong. Um, and, you know, that's why I definitely want to – I mean, I always like getting our respective perspectives on stuff when we get to cover it. And, you know, the fact that you got to be there for it, uh, definitely wanted to start to show off with it, whether Kentucky had advanced or not. Uh, like you said, congratulations to Louisville. Uh, they move on to play uh, Texas A&M uh, in Omaha. Um, I was at work Friday for game one of the Super Regional, just listening to it. Um, and then Saturday, we were driving down here uh, to Panama City, so I had it on in the car. We listened to it uh, again. Friday, it, it just, you know, not watching it, but it just sounded like it was a carbon copy. And I tweeted out, it sounded like a carbon copy of the regular season game at Louisville. Uh, I think in April they play. I think they played both matchups in April uh, at Louisville yeah. Thursday next to Vegas Stadium a couple of weeks later. But Friday, I think Louisville wins five to one. Uh, similar fashion, they got a five nothing lead uh, Friday, just like they did the regular season game in April. And then the ninth inning, Kentucky comes with a rally that you know. Kentucky fans optimistic and probably has Louisville fans a little bit too close for comfort when, you know, got to get these last three outs. And, you know, Kentucky refuses to die. Uh, I think Evan White had a solo home run Friday to make it 5 1, and then they, they got some guys on base, and, and you're like, uh oh, oh, here we go. Of course, Louisville, you know, closed it out. But it was just like you, because you were there, a situation where they just weren't able to muster enough offense early. Here we are in the ninth inning, and then we kind of get things started and, and put a little bit of a scare into them. So, if it kind of looked like a replay of that game to me, and then, you know, kind of a similar thing uh, in game two, like you said, just not able to get that hit when you needed it to, to, to maybe uh, change the whole momentum or change the whole course of the way the game would have played out. Yeah, and that's the that was the prevailing thing. Is the gap? I mean, it's there. Obviously, this is Louisville's fourth trip, uh, the program uh, fourth trip to the uh, College World Series. But again, I don't think the gap is that wide, and um, I, I think this is going to become one of those must see matchups. I mean, I, I have a feeling that both matchups next year will be both regular season matchups 
I mean, they're going to be televised. SEC Network, hmm. you know, it's, it's going to be one of those matchups that we see uh, moving forward. Uh, I, I just I don't know how you could look at that game and not say, okay, both of these programs uh, are on the upswing, and it'll end up being kind of like for a stretch there, Florida State-Miami. I know football got the press, but the Florida State-Miami baseball rivalry was, was just as intense. And uh, I was sitting next to some Louisville folks uh, during the game, and they say, you know, this is going to get kind of exhausting. When you think about mm-hmm. uh, what we anticipate for football between the schools, what we anticipate, you know, for men's and women's basketball, right? I mean, th- this is, this is going to be the kind of thing uh, where the rivalry, uh, I, I know Duke, North Carolina gets a lot of ESPN love, but you got a lot of mm-hmm. quality programs in, in, in red, in blue, uh, a lot of matchups with teams with numbers in front of their names. Uh, when you look at football, the Heisman Trophy winner, and, and, we, and we all believe Kentucky football's on the upswing. Men's uh, men's basketball, okay, that's a given. But women's basketball, and now you look at at baseball. Uh, that, that's a that's a that's a season. You know, consider football starts in September, and and you know, here we are in June, and we're still we're still you know kind of going at each other. It's going to get get exhausting this rivalry. If we keep meeting in the postseason, keep having really, really good teams. Yeah, and we gotta also uh, give congratulations to Evan White. You know, baseball draft was yesterday, and he was selected by the Mariners. Uh, of course, we know that we had Keith Madison on for UK coach that he was the best first baseman he'd ever seen from a defensive standpoint. Uh, that Trump's Tony Perez, Keith Hernandez, guys we saw firsthand and played with. Uh, but as far as the instincts and the way he played the game, Ever White uh, is the best he'd ever seen. So congratulations to him for getting selected uh, by the Seattle Mariners. And just the, the tweet from Coach Madison yesterday, after Coach Mingione wins uh, the Robins Coach of the Year, and, and there Coach Madison is with congratulations. Congrats to UK baseball head coach, Coach Mingione. Or win the perfect game, Rollins Coach of the Year Award, BBN, hashtag league for God's sake. You know, Coach Madison, I mean, you, you don't see any kind of, you know, shade or any kind of awkwardness. You know, it's not like Coach Mingione follows Madison directly, but still, you know, it's all the success Coach Mingione is having. Coach Madison has been nothing but supportive. Uh, he's, you know, gracious about someone on our show and talking about the program. He's on various different podcasts. Still very, very involved in the game and, and close to the game. But the support that he has and the pride that he talked to us that he felt for UK baseball this season is it, it just it's very genuine. It, it's not forced. You know, he's just saying what he needs to say just to saying the right thing. He's saying it from the heart, uh, and it, it was very nice to see the, the respect and the pride he has in John Cushman-Gill has done also. Absolutely. You know, we, we talk about even though we're having some success in some, some sports that we haven't had historical success, you're still not competing in a vacuum. Uh, you know, Coach Madison 
Uh, obviously, he'll be the first person to tell you, wish you had a little bit more success, but they had some, and you have to lay that mm-hmm. foundation. I mean, you know, he was telling us uh, his assistant coaches were part-time. I mean, it's it's just <laughs> that's kind of unheard of. I mean, even even then, being the only school in the SEC with that situation and what he's able to do kind of with that, but now that the university has a commitment to the program and, and the coaching staff, uh, it, it's just one of those things. It's, it's fantastic. It really is. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll definitely continue to talk about some more uh, UK baseball success they had. We'll get into those finals as well. Uh, any soapbox stuff that you have, but we'll get into all of that. But we will uh, get ourselves a quick break now. Yes, I am here. Been beach bumming, but I'm definitely going to be here for the show. Uh, definitely enjoying every minute of it. And we'll get ourselves a break, get my screen brought up so I can get us some music played, and we will slide out and take us a quick break. This is Vinny Hardy, Vinny Beach Bum Hardy, Terry Homeowner Brown, Catch Talk Wednesday, <laughs> Rabbit Hardy Radio Network, BlogTalkRadio.com. My screen is slow, but the song menu is coming up, so we will have a Malice and Mario jam in just a matter of seconds. As soon as it pops up, it's my laptop is tripping. But we will get the song played and then get back and talk about some of these, these NBA finals, uh, some of the super team stuff. And Kevin Durant with a statement that, that raised my eyebrows. I hadn't got to read it, but I saw it. So definitely, we, me and you, we just got to kick it around and play a little tennis <laughs> with that little volleyball with what he said uh, after he just won his first NBA title as a member of the Golden State Warriors. We'll get to every last bit of that and much more as the show continues to roll on. So stay right with us. Stay right. We'll be right back. Uh, right after these messages in this song. Here we go.
Welcome back. Cast Talk Wednesday. Vinnie Hardy, Steve Brown, Brown and Hardy Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com. TV will be right back. Uh, start the show talking about UK baseball and deserving so. The historic run they've been on. They deserve all the praise they can possibly receive. Coachman Jones, Rollins, perfect game coach of the year, in addition to being SEC coach of the year. M. White is selected by the Seattle Mariners, making the first of the regional in UK history, falling in two games to the Louisville Cardinals. Um, the baseball rivalry has been ramped up just like basketball and football now. We're getting some of that rivalry talk as well. But, you know, like Terry said, congratulations to Louisville. And Kentucky, the future, I mean, it, it is so bright. You know, Coachman Jones proves he can coach. Now he's going to be able to, to recruit, get his first class in. Stadium is being built. Uh, so some love for Miss Barnhart's big shows at the baseball program. You already got the uh, outstanding softball facility there. We'll see what happens at Commonwealth Program Field, renovations that are made there. Uh, and possibly tennis facility, I think, going to where Cliff Hagen is right now. So, Continuing to see the love distributed and dispersed uh, fairly evenly, even among revenue and non-revenue sports. So you got to love that. But the future is bright. The state of baseball, uh, the new stadium is going to be very, very nice. All of it right there together. Bill Fox Complex, John Crop Stadium, Kroger Field, all right there. Just come up Alumni Drive. It's very, very nice to see. Uh, if you want to give us a call, 845-277-9373 at Cast Talk Wednesday. On Facebook and Twitter, it's been beach bumming, but definitely having a blast on the show. Uh, so Michelle Morton and Tina Cox uh, talking about being jealous. Uh, but Michelle Morton, we we're always jealous of her. She's always sipping on something and relaxing at some scenic golf course or traveling or vacationing somewhere. Uh, just you know, various different weeks and different times. You never know where she's gonna be. But we are trying to be like you, Michelle. That's what's really going on. That's the real truth of the matter. Uh, definitely appreciate you listening and tweeting in and giving me a hard time and busting my chops. Um, TV gets back. We're going to talk some of these NBA finals talks. Y'all know we love the NBA. And we're going to talk about what Kevin Durant said. And, uh, you know, KD is kind of been getting more and more vocal with each passing year. Um, started out his career, you know, after a season in Texas, gets drafted by the, believe it or not, Seattle Sonics kids. Yes, that's where he started his career. Seattle Sonics moved to Oklahoma City, became the OKC Thunder. And Kevin Durant's perception kind of just this quiet dude, doesn't say anything, just this deadly scorer, seven-footer with a lethal handle, crazy range. Crazy array of shots. You can't block his shot because when he gets to you know, the top of his release, he's seven foot tall and he's just very accurate. And little by little, he's got to become more and more vocal to the media and sometimes just, just straight up blunt uh, in what he's been saying uh, to the media as well. Sometimes he gets criticized for it. You know, different times he's said different things. Even he's with the Thunder and now with the Warriors, he took a lot of heat for believing okay speed. Um, to join the Warriors to knock OKC out 
of the playoffs in his final year with Russell Westbrook and the Thunder. He took a lot of grief for that. Dylan down earlier uh, and said that he, if he had to do it all over again, he would do exactly what he did. He was just intrigued and kind of fascinated with the culture of the Warriors, how they did things, the way they played, moving without the ball, the passing. Uh, you know, at OKC, he was just kind of waiting for the ball to come to him, and you know, it's either him going isolation or Westbrook going isolation. Not the way the Warriors did things. A lot wondered if his game would fit into what the Warriors do, and he proved that he definitely uh, could adjust his game to fit into the Warriors' offense, and he absolutely lit it up in the finals. Uh, he balled out. It was his first time being in the finals since he made it against LeBron James' Heat when he was with James Harden and Westbrook and OKC back in 2012. You could tell he relished the opportunity to be back on that stage and made the most of it and took home the uh, Bill Russell NBA Finals MVP award uh, for his efforts. But I just want to touch on what he just said and what he was actually doing. As well as he played, he was actually praising the opponent, the Cleveland Cavaliers point guard, Kyrie Irving. And Terry T. B. Brown, Kevin Durant, said that Kyrie is better than Allen Iverson, quote, has more skill. He was on the Bill Simmons podcast. I'm just pulling up the article. Um, and, you know, he's just very impressed. We saw Kyrie do a lot of work in these finals, especially in the game that Cleveland won. Um, but Durant quoted telling friends after game two, you know, he said, I was like, Kyrie, he just makes you happy when you watch him play. You just smile when you watch him play because for somebody to be that skilled, you know he had to work tirelessly at it. The stuff he has in his package is next-level stuff that you can try to keep, teach your kid to do it, but you'll never be able to do it. Then here's the, <laughs> here's the haymaker. Here's the haymaker quote. Kyrie is better than AI to me. I'm going from, like, skill for skill. His handle is better. And then he, then he like, he, like, backpedals. He says, we might have to cut that out. Talking to Bill Simmons, I don't want no problems with AI. Y'all might have to cut that one. I don't want to get that. I don't want that to get out. I'm just saying, I feel like Kyrie got more skill. Now, Okay. I'll, I'll give Kyrie the finishing off the glass. You know, I'll give him the edge in that because, some, I mean, every time he goes to the bucket, it's like you know it's going in. It doesn't matter who's contesting, if it's right hand or left hand. I'll, I'll maybe agree with Kevin Durant there because the dude, I mean, he's like, I don't want to. I don't, I'm not going to say all the way George Gervinets, but the way he finishes, you know, with only improbable angles, I I, will, I might say he could get out know, Iverson there. But overall, I'm, I'm uh, maybe it's just because I'm old. Maybe because <laughs> I was a kid watching Iverson. Overall, total package. I mean, look, Kyrie has a drug that sorry fast that team to the final. <laughs> We saw what Kyrie was doing before LeBron got there. They was winning like 20 games a year. So, uh, you know, Iverson stepping over Lou, that just, that, 
that edge, that killer instinct, that dog that everybody's talking about, uh, you know, Kyrie doesn't have that. The dude can flat out finish at the rim. Like, nobody's business in the league today. I will agree with KD there when you talk about that skill. But your thoughts on Kevin Durant saying that Kyrie Irving is better than Allen Iverson. Yeah, I've been kind of out of well, down here on vacation, but I saw that and I was like, whoa! <laughs> you know, well, there's a, there's a lot to unpack there, right? With with the finals yeah. and, and any time, and I think one reason I like basketball even more than football, and I, I don't get me wrong, I love football, the Super Bowl, uh, and all that. But the NBA, when you have a series, a best of seven series, you and you know things change from day to game. It's a little bit more layered. You know, it's not like you can look back at the Super Bowl and you say, okay, did Atlanta choke or did uh, New England play really, really well? Okay, that's kind of a linear narrative. But you can look at from game to game to game uh, with the NBA Finals, like these finals, you know, game three, if the Cavs don't have just a disastrous last three minutes, you know, and they go back to uh, Oakland 2-2, is it different? You know, that, you know, that's something you could talk about. Now, getting back to Kevin Durant's statement on Allen Iverson, and, and here's my thoughts on, on that. We've, we've touched on it, but the 2001 76ers, the 2007 Cleveland Cavaliers and the 2009 Orlando Magic. Mm-hmm. Outside of their superstars, who else did they have? We've talked about everybody knows about LeBron and and Booby Miles uh, or Booby Gibson. I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> and, and those guys, Anderson Varejao, those starters he took to the finals. Wow. Okay, look at what uh, Dwight Howard did with that Orlando Magic team, and really. You look at what Ed Iverson did, and, and you can talk about conferences being down, but look at that roster. If you go back to basketballreference.com and just look at that 2001 Philadelphia 76ers team, who else was a, who else was a knockdown shooter? Like, literally, where else did they get their points? That, that's the thing that just blows my mind about what Allen Iverson was able to do is there was no one else. I mean, Aaron McKee, uh, okay, right, yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> That's your answer. Uh, Eric, Eric Snow, okay. Yeah. Uh, Dikembe Mutombo, never an offensive force. Tyrone Hill, okay. <laughs> so it, Matt Geiger, right? About, Matt Geiger. Uh, Matt oh, Geiger. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when you look at those rosters, and those, are, those you put up there were like, oh, how did they make the finals? Like, what were the uh-huh. other teams in the league doing and the conference doing that? So that's rarefied air. So this is – but, you know, but this is the thing. Uh, that it's hard to really, when you look at sports, you would think it would be easy. Sports is, you know, about numbers and, and championships. But it's really more nuanced than that. You know, you hear people complain about Allen Iverson shooting too much, I, I, you know. He had to. As it, it, who else could go get a bucket if you needed a bucket? A, you know, 90% of Philadelphia's offense was off of Iverson doing it and their misses. I mean, they, I think, if I'm not mistaken, had one of the highest 
uh, offensive rebound rates of any team that made a finals because that was their offense. Iverson, just go get the ball on the rim. I mean, that's literally what they did. So I'm not with KD on on Iverson, uh, on uh, Kyrie being better than AI, because Iverson was asked to do a lot. And for me, it's different. Okay, LeBron, you be the man, you go. Jordan be the man, Kobe. I mean, Iverson, barely six foot. I think that's being generous. Mm -hmm. And for what he was able to do pound for pound, I don't think so. And, and I think Kyrie, believe it or not, I think their handles are, are, are pretty much equal, uh, finishing at the rim. But for someone that was maybe six foot, 180 pounds, maybe, give or take, mm-hmm. Iverson yeah. did not avoid the paint. Uh, you know, that's the thing. You know, <laughs> we think about his crossover at the top of the key, you know, that highlight on Jordan and all those plays where he's got grown NBA players tripping over their feet, falling down. Iverson got to the paint. He finished. Maybe not as with – I don't think he finished as well with his left hand. I think when you look at Kyrie finishing with his left hand and offhand, I think he's probably one of the all-time best at that. His angle yeah. to get to the rim. Right. Yeah, I put him up there with, with his layups. You just – how he gets his angles off, exactly. You have to put in work to get it to be like that. But I'm not mm-hmm. ready to say – and it's got nothing to do with romanticizing AI. You know, I, I think you put him, you know, top 20 player all time. I think that's, you know, a good conversation. You know, top 30, when you look at it, obviously all time great. Um, but I, I don't think we can be a prisoner of the moment and, and say that, that he's better than, better than AI. I, I, don't, I don't say – I'm not going to go there. Uh, but on top of that, Again, these things don't take place in a vacuum, and I saw a great comparison of Allen Iverson and Michael Vick, guys that were just dazzling, dazzling talents that did not get that championship hardware, but they meant a lot off of the field. And I think when you talk about Iverson, the basketball player and all that, kind of made the NBA a little bit more real for a lot of people. You know, the, uh, he, he didn't change his – he didn't go corporate once he got to the NBA, for better yeah. or for worse. And I think, obviously, there were some issues that he had that you're thinking, hey, you got to leave, leave that behind. But he didn't, and I think that endeared him to a lot of people. Uh, but I'm not going to go on the Kyrie better than AI uh, bandwagon. Uh, for the finals themselves uh, – you know, a lot of people kind of thought this was the foregone conclusion. Uh, this was what's going to happen. Uh, but my thing is this when it comes to sports, because I've seen people since Golden State has won talk about, you know, the, the, a dynasty. And, and, you know, three straight finals and, and, and two uh, championships in three years, that's, a, that's the start. But we don't know what next year is going to hold. We don't know. Uh, we have seen lots of teams get built for champions. You have seen it in Houston, uh, bringing in Scotty Pippen and, and Barkley to Houston to pair with Olajuwon. And let me segue, 2004, bringing in Gary Payton and 
Carl Malone to, to the Lakers didn't work out. I mean, they got to the finals, and really, I didn't realize this, um, but I think it was game three of that 2004 finals. The Lakers only scored 68 points. I don't know how, and I'm thinking, how does a team with Shaq and Kobe only score 68 points? That just proves you can't depend on what's on paper. So before we just say, hey, Golden State's going to run off three or four straight, it doesn't always happen. So I, 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 I don't see that happen. And Carl Malone was second in the NBA score history, right, behind Kareem. And he was yeah. on that team as well. And the, the Lakers started that season off like twenty-one and three. I mean, they came out guns a blazing. And I'm thinking, hey, this, this championship, this championship time, right? But uh, uh, you know, it, 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 you don't, you can't always. See, we see it every year in college basketball. You know, the number one overall seed. You know, how often does that number one overall seed? Win, not yeah. often. You know, I think uh, didn't cause, you know we Kentucky has gone into the tournament number one overall seed three times maybe. I think at least three times. Uh, the first year was oh uh, three, and obviously didn't win it then. And then the John Wall team, they were number one over. And then 2000 – so you can't just say this team is built to win. It's not that easy, which lends me to this yeah. whole super team thing. It's easy to say, oh, they just added Kevin Durant to a 73-win team. But, man, if you've never played basketball before, it, it, a lot of people are going to say Kevin Durant took the easy way out. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of fed up with that narrative because yeah. the move he made put all the – if they felt had fallen short of anything less than a title, if he had not performed as well as he did, boom, there's a target. What I am fed up with, and I tweeted this out yesterday, I think it was, if Roger Maris was alive, he'd see every sports record since 1980 have an asterisk by it. And I don't understand it. Uh-huh. We've, talk, we've talked at length about your Rockets in 94-95. Oh, but Jordan didn't play. Oh, okay. And, and, and super team. And we've seen and it's always something. It, it, you know, and, and it's really usually basketball. Well, you know, you didn't quite do X, Y, and Z, so, you know, you're not real champions. No, the banner still goes up. You know, you, Kevin Durant still got a ring. I, I just – I don't understand the level of, of hatred that he received by making a move that made the most sense for him and his family. I, I just, I, I don't get it for whatever reason, sports, we love the billionaires and despise the millionaires. You know, where's Kevin Durant supposed to learn loyalty by watching his team owner steal the Sonics from Seattle and move to Oklahoma city. Is that, I mean, it's a business. You know, it, this is a business. Fans build it up to be more than that, but it's, it's, a, it's business, it's entertainment, and, and these guys that are talented enough to play, they have to make moves that are right for them and their family. Uh, 
definitely want to get into that as well and, and talk more about you know, these finals as well and then get into like like the K D stuff and, and and you know, branching on out. You know, like you said, you know, he he's been in Oklahoma City, he's been there long enough to see what, you know, what's gonna happen or what he's gonna do and it's not working, you know. Um, James Harden got traded. You know they they had a nice little big three themselves, and then you know, James Harden just traded to Houston. Uh, so I'm sure you know six minutes a year you see what Harden has done since he's been in Houston as well. Oh, uh, so move on and try something else. Like you said, it's, it's his career, it's his happiness. We've heard how happy he's reportedly been since he's moved to Golden State. Um, so, like you said, we shouldn't just keep, you know, throwing shade at it or hating him for doing what he did. As, I mean, I know Oklahoma City fans aren't thrilled with that, but as a whole, he took a lot of heat. Similar to, you know, LeBron started. LeBron did the same thing. I mean, maybe don't have a decision on TV, but he, he stayed in Cleveland long enough to say, okay, you know, not really getting the help I should. Let me go for the team again. And well, if you look at the history of the league, we've seen two teams for years. There's so many ways we can take it. Well, and the thing with Kevin Durant and Oklahoma City, we can all agree, Russell Westbrook, you're going to put no further than, what, fifth or sixth best player in the league? Maybe, you know, easily top five. Oklahoma City was not going to do anything willingly to split the two of them up, okay? So Kevin Durant has to look and say, we've had coaching changes, we've had personnel moves, but Mm -hmm. pretty much their offense stayed the exact same. Mm -hmm. And Kevin Durant's got to say, we're up 3-1 on Golden State. Mm-hmm. And it's not as if the Thunder played poorly those next three games against Golden State. It's not as if, you know, he, Durant, or Westbrook had off night. What he saw was Golden State's better is better than our best. Yeah. And he had to say to himself, I can stay here, but with, with, uh, with Westbrook, you know, dominating the ball for good or bad, and, you know, that's been debatable, there was a limit to how good Oklahoma City was going to be going forward. They didn't have the flexibility to bring anybody in. You know, if they were able to keep Harden, okay. You know, but I think they got rid of Harden a year too soon. You know, that has been talked yeah. about ad nauseum in the NBA. And, and really – like I said, and he didn't play that. He didn't play well in the finals against Miami. I mean, you know, the Thunder won the first game without Harden. Uh, I wrote an article. I think it was from Bleach Report. Then I'm like, you know, wait until kind of a wait until James Harden gets rolling. Article, and he he didn't have a great final. I don't know if that maybe made them bite the bullet too soon and maybe overreact and move him. Uh, and then we see what he's later become. But yeah, 
you know. But like you mentioned, yeah. when the Warriors were uh, Warriors were down three one to the Thunder, Clay Thompson in Game Six went berserk to kind of save Golden State season to force a Game Seven. Right, and you say to yourself, this team isn't going to get any better. And look, for all the love that Kobe gets, being an all-time great, he wanted to leave L.A. Between the 2001 title and getting back to the finals in 2008, he wanted to leave L.A. And it's been legendary how he despised a lot of his teammates. Get Conan video talking about Andrew Bynum and everything like that. Let's not romanticize things. Look. Jordan in 88, 89, 90, okay, if he took, you know, after the uh, Pistons eliminated them in, in 1990, and I think if he had the same situation, if his contract had been set up the same as Durant's was, Durant's got to look, I think Jordan would look and say, hey, Maybe not leave Chicago, but you all got to make some moves because I can't. We can't beat the Pistons, right? So <laughs> we romanticize. Well, you know, nobody does. Nobody did like LeBron. Nobody has done like Katie because players didn't have that ability. Again, it goes back to for whatever reason, when it comes to sports, whether it's the NCAA, the commissioner in Major League Baseball, the commissioner in football the owners in all these sports, for whatever reason, we understand and relate more to the owners and management than we do the players and labor. And I, and I, don't, I don't get it. Look, man, you like your job, right? You, you, you're okay with your job. But what if your yes, competitor sir. in the same industry said, you know what, Vinny, I'm going to give you a chance. You can come over here, make a little bit more money, but we're going to – over here, we had a chance to be company of the year and whatever, you know, your field is. It's a no-brainer. If I'm flipping burgers at McDonald's and Burger King says, hey, come flip burgers for us, go pay you some more, and, hey, you're going to be able to be burger flipper of the year, and we, you make that move. People do it all the time, yeah. all the time. You make a move that's going to be better for you and better for your family, period. Well, you know, you owe to the fans, not really. I mean, <laughs> I mean not really. That, you know, that's, I, I don't understand, folks, well, you owe it to the team. Well, when, especially in NFL, when a player gets cut, do you have any sympathy for him then? That's why I've got zero problem with players maximizing what they can make while they can make it because these leagues will be done with you. You know, even in the NBA, you sign your contract. Well, they'll try to, you know, get rid of you and, you know, not pay the full contract. We see it all the time. This supposed supposed loyalty? Are you kidding me? All I want to know is when they talk about the fans, what about the fans? Flashback to the decision. And what did we see from the people in Cleveland? Burning him. Burning LeBron stuff. LeBum. Booing him when he came back. LeBron sucks. LeBron this, that, and the other. Flash forward to 2016 
How many of those Cavs fans that were at the championship parade burned LeBron's stuff, called him a bum, told him not to come back? Fans are fickle. Mm-hmm. And when you see, and when you're trying to make your, and I know your dad told you the same thing, you can't live your life trying to please other people. Because no matter what you do, you're going to get it. People talk about uh, Carmelo Anthony, where he doesn't really want to win. Hey, he's making his money. I'm okay with that. I mean, <laughs> whatever floats your boat. We have seen time and time again, well, if you really want to win, you know, you take less money. Really? You going to take less money at your job? <laughs> How many times uh-huh. have we seen players give hometown discounts, and I'm looking at Dwayne Wade, give hometown yeah. discounts in the pursuit of a championship, and then when the rainy day comes, well, we, we you know, we just ain't got it. Yeah. Right? It happens all the time. Mm. Hometown discounts, no. No. And I think it was, was it Sports Illustrated, ESPN, the magazine. I think it's Sports Illustrated had a, had a great article on LeBron and the process of getting back to Cleveland. And, and what stuck out to me is a highlight of telling Cleveland and some, there will be no hometown discount. You've got uh-huh. to be able to build a winner while you pay me my money. Yeah, and you know, again, yeah. talk about Carmelo Anthony. Well, he's got his no trade clause. Man, do you know how rare that is in the NBA? Like he's, a, I think he's the only person that's got the no trade clause in the NBA. Everybody else, they can get rid of you when they want to. Come on, man. And we see the players actually exert a little bit of power, and 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 it's a bad thing. And like you're talking about, you know, super teams bad for the NBA. The NBA has been nothing but super teams, except for the 70s, where the Knicks won two, the Bullets won, the Sonics won, the Warriors won. Uh, you know, of course, Lakers and Celtics, because they always win. But uh, except for the 70s, the NBA has been nothing but dynasties and super teams. I mean, In outside 71, of – 71, the Bucks won it, but they had a big old end who I sent it. So that was still pretty, yeah. you know, pretty dope, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how – but if you look at NBA champions, I mean, except for – and this may change because I think Ben Wallace and, and Chauncey Billups get in the hall. But look at the you, – you need two Hall of Fame-level players to win a championship. And, and that's kind of everybody's loose definition of a super team. Look at the Lakers and Celtics of the 80s. They're bringing all-stars and Hall of Famers off of the bench. Those are super teams. <laughs> when you've got the luxury yeah. to bring Bill Walton off the bench, are you kidding me? <laughs> Look, man, uh-huh. the NBA has been nothing but super teams. Nothing but. And to – to think otherwise is foolish. Now, the NFL, you usually get – and I don't know why everybody's surprised about New England. I mean, I, I get it. You know, they've got a nice little run here. But the NFL has been one super team, wins a lot. That's kind of the M.O. You know, you go back to the Cleveland Browns and Otto Graham before the Super Bowls and 
Uh, and then you look at the Green Bay Packers at the beginning of the Super Bowl era, and the 70s Steelers, and the 80s Niners, and the 90s Cowboys. And now you look, that's what the NFL is. Why are you surprised? That's like a baseball fan sitting here, you know, if the Yankees win the World Series this year, how do they do that? Because they're the Yankees. This is what happened. What are you talking about? <laughs> All this complaint, the, the NBA is so unbalanced. Look, at no point from 1980 to 1991 did anybody really say, was anybody shocked that the Lakers or Celtics made the finals? No. Yeah. I, mean, wh- I mean, what are you talking about? Even during the 90s, is the Bulls or your Rockets eight of those years? Where is this mythical anybody can win thing that only applies to the NCAA tournament? I just I don't get it. It's, if you don't want to watch the NBA, don't watch it. That's fine. We don't care. You know, but for me, this, I appreciate I appreciate seeing people compete at a high level. That's just that's just me. And, that was my soapbox, by the way. All right, all right. And that, you know, outside of, you know, the the Rockets run where they won two in the 90s and then they were still fairly competitive towards the late 90s. You know, Elijah Moore was on the downside. They made it to the conference finals, I think, lost to Utah. You know, outside that little stretch, I have never had a dog in the fight. But I still watch every year. I mean, as a kid, I didn't like the Celtics or the Lakers. But I was watching every year. I still watch, you know, um, the Bulls. I wasn't a Bulls fan. You know, it would have been nice to see the Sonics knock them off in 96 or something like that. I still watched. I watched the Bulls win all six of them every single game. So, (laughs) like you said, if you don't want to watch, don't watch. But I don't have a dog in the fight, and I'm still going to watch. And, you know, because, and, look, we've talked about it before, but the shadow that Michael Jordan has kind of cast over uh, the NBA since his retirement, it's frustrating. LeBron James is doing things we have never seen before. And people shrug it off because he supposedly doesn't have this clutch gene. Uh-huh. He averaged a triple-double for an entire NBA Finals that no one has ever done before. Mm -hmm. And the NBA is getting close to 80 years. Nobody's done it before. And the collective NBA voice is like, ah, man, you know, he's three and five in the Finals. I'm... You know, at no point during this this seven-year run of going to the finals, at no point in history, in any playoff series, at any point in time, has one player led the entire series in points, rebounds, assists, blocks, and steals. LeBron does it in the finals, coming back from 3-1, and it's like, man, he's all right. <laughs> look, man. I look. I, I get it. Michael Jordan was six and zero in the finals. I, I get it. But Kareem won six, lost four. Magic won five, lost four. That's still pretty. That's 
getting there, mm-hmm. that, that is a lot. I, I, and, and we just we just shrug off what we're watching. And, and, and very well, LeBron could get back next year to the finals. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and and just to just shrug it off like, well, you know, because the Eastern Conference. What are you talking about? Seven years, you would have thought maybe Toronto would have got hot, knocked them off, or maybe Atlanta would have knocked them off. We just talked about there's always these random teams that seem to make the finals. You know, the, those Magic teams, uh, that Magic team, the, the uh, Sixers team, and LeBron's uh, 07 team. But he, he hasn't let that happen. He has played superhuman in, okay, look, I'll give you the 2011 finals. I, I thought he played poorly against uh, the Mavericks. Mm-hmm. But since right. then, my goodness, you know, people – see what they want to see. Uh, I was in a Twitter conversation yesterday with somebody talking about, you know, Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman were pretty good for the Bulls. Those are two Hall of Famers. Tony Tony Kukoc was a solid player. Ron Harper was solid. You know, Luke Longley was solid. We've allowed this myth of Jordan to be like he led a bunch of scrubs to the championship, and that's not the case. It really isn't. And I'm not trying to say to take away from Jordan. I'm just saying Scottie Pippen was good, was very good. His 1994 season, when the Bulls won, I think, 54, 55 games, was good. He was in the MVP talk that year. And I'm not saying he's better than Jordan, but I'm saying he's better than Joe Schmo. Are you kidding me? So, and this whole notion of, you know, LeBron, when he made that pass, to Kyle Korver. Kyle Korver was what, top three in three-point percentage in NBA history, I think, three or four. That is a good yeah. basketball play. Well, Jordan wouldn't it. John Paxson says hello. Well, Jordan yeah. wouldn't have passed it. Steve Kerr says hello. You make the good play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we built this narrative that Jordan did by himself. That is not the case. Look, again, Mm -hmm. if you want to say he's the best ever, the greatest, the GOAT, whatever, I I can't disagree, but I feel like I'm kind of on a broken record here. The gap isn't as wide as we like to believe. Other players Mm -hmm. have been dominant. Other players have won championships. Other players have gotten less talented supporting cast to the championship level. This is not to say Jordan's not great. This is to say there have been other great players. So yeah. I, I ran it and raved enough. And I'm not a big LeBron <laughs> fan. Little Miss is. She, she's a huge LeBron fan. Uh, you know, I'm a Kobe guy, obviously. But you, you, can't just to, you can't color these narratives by saying, by, by just making this finals record, uh, being or Jordan 6-0. and Well, that doesn't end the conversation. It's a lot more nuanced mm-hmm. than that. Yeah. So – uh, I ran and raved enough about that, so <laughs> I might rant and rave for just a second when we get back. We'll take another break, but we're still, you know, the NBA just wrapped up, so you know, we the anticipation of seeing who the champion will be 
Then you get hit with the withdrawal that there's no more basketball. So that's where we are right now, as you mentioned at the start of the show. Um, I might have to just quibble with one of LeBron's answers in his post-game media session after game five of the finals. Uh, Maybe I'll rant and rave about that. We shall see. Also, uh, some more NCAA lack of judgment. We'll have to talk about that. I saw that floating around in our little group message that we talk about on Twitter. Uh, and it's more of the same, but we'll talk about that as well. We'll take another break. Cast Talk Wednesday, Vinnie Hardy, Kay Brown, Rowdy Hardy Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com. Stay right with us. Don't go nowhere. We're not.
Welcome back to the show. Kenny Hardy, Terry Brown here. Rolling right on through into the second hour. Well into it already. Uh, putting a bow on the NBA season. Uh, finals just concluded Monday night. Warriors in five over the Cavs. Uh, LeBron did average a triple-double for the finals. First time ever. Few games back, uh, he tied Magic Johnson. Uh, I think it was just for, for his eighth triple double that tied him. Tied him in the finals for uh, the amount of triple doubles over the course of the career. Um, Kevin Durant was out of his mind. You could tell he was extremely happy to be back on stage. Uh, he made the most of it, uh, fit in well with the Warriors, uh, and. Look, I tweeted it out, too, because, like I said, I was kind of taking issue with what LeBron said in his uh, media session at the end of Game 5. They asked him something to the effect of of what it was was him being on, playing on a couple of super teams. Basically, what is your impression of what the Warriors have done with their super team. Something to that effect, you know, give or take, if not sure maybe the exact question. But they're referring to, you know, his time in Miami and now his time, you know, second go-around in Cleveland where the talent was a lot better than when he took to the finals in 07. And LeBron kind of balked at it and kind of said that he, first of all, he hadn't played on a couple of super teams. And I got to disagree with that. You know, he shouldn't take a lot of the grief that he takes and has taken for a guy who doesn't get in any trouble, for a guy who does pretty much leave it all on the court, flops a little bit, but still shouldn't get all the hate that he gets. But I guess LeBron was in his mind saying that either either the team he was on in Miami or the team he's on now, he's not considering that a super team because he kind of balked at the question. And I tweeted that LeBron knows good and well he's played on two super teams because, you know, you got Wade and Bosch and all those guys coming together, you know, not four, not five, not six. There was a whole goal to win multiple championships, and they got a couple while they were together. Coming back to Cleveland, teamed up with Kyrie, you get Kevin Love, three of the top players in the league. You know, Minnesota Kevin Love was very, very good. He had trouble fitting in with Cleveland, didn't fit in as smoothly, and Durant has to go to state. And I just simply tweeted out LeBron knows he's played on a couple of super teams. And then you're gonna get the well not really, not really, because now all the hate is shifting towards Durant. Like you said, he's taking the easy way out. That's what people want to say. That's the narrative. And so everybody's trying to say you know, and this is the most feedback I've got on any tweet I've seen in a while. Well, you, you know, LeBron did join a team that already won 73 games. You know, that's it was totally different. The Cavs were 35 or 47 or 49 and 30, whatever they were before LeBron got there. Yeah, so I think you're doing it. It doesn't matter how a team comes together. Doesn't matter the method or 
the route taken is the composition of the team. You, you know, if you if you got the nine and seventy three Philadelphia seventy sixers, and then you have LeBron and Wade and Bosh, that's still going to be a super team the following year. The previous season's record doesn't matter. I don't go to say we're seventy three and nine before KD, and then they actually. I get that. Those Miami teams were a super team. The team in Cleveland were a super team. Look, if they weren't super, LeBron wouldn't have joined up and won the play on all these teams that he's made his final appearances with. Now, true, he's the best player in the world, and he's going to bring the most to the table, but he didn't take no scrubs and no seven these last eight years. He's had great players alongside of him. So my argument was, look, there are varying degrees of super. Like you said, outside of the 70s, that's what the NBA is all about. Those, hey, your Lakers that couldn't beat the Celtics had Ellis Baylor and Jerry West and Jimmy you know, and losing to Bill Russell and, you know, Cousy and Havlin Jake and Sam Jones and all of these. The Lakers brought in Will, sure. It doesn't matter how you compose the team. It doesn't matter the route that you take to assemble your talent. A super team is a super team. And the previous just record doesn't matter. Uh-uh. <laughs> so that was kind of like you said. Well, LeBron is, LeBron is not better than Jordan. Well, Jordan 6 0, that is just people. So people were like arguing me, saying the way the team was constructed or the previous year's record kind of mattered with some kind of factor. And it didn't. And that didn't make any sense to me. Who cares what Miami did before LeBron or Cleveland did before LeBron? Put him and those other guys on the team and now they're a super team. And ultimately they won their conference and went to the finals. So there's there's my rant. You know, I know who goes to one seventy three before K D. But what do they got to do with anything? Well and this is where I come a little bit differently. Is with Durant, and again, you know, you can go back to the first hour. I'm for players doing whatever they want to do. But uh-huh. with Durant, I, I thought his move, it, it, it was a championship team that he joined. I mean, that's, that's, that's the thing, which I think upped the ante on if they, don't, if they don't win and he doesn't put up the numbers he did, I, I think – he looks a whole lot worse. With Braun going to Miami, of course, with Wade, Braun, and Bosch, that is a super team. No doubt about That's it. Championship team. Championship team, yeah. But I think for them, and we saw that in the 2011 final, they still had a lot to figure out on the fly. And for me, that's a little bit different than KD just coming in and, and figuring out what he can and can't do, kind of finding his niche. I think it's a little bit different because, it, 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 for me, it's splitting hair. I agree with you, it is a super team. No matter what LeBron tells you, he had a super team in Miami, he's got a super team now. Okay, that's, that's, the, that's just the way it is. And you need that to be good. You know, cause that's, that's what you need. Uh, so I, I I just think it's it's a different approach to the same result is is would be my splitting hairs argument ab, 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 about that. 
but you know, LeBron is going to get coy a little bit, but he's also <laughs> in some of these comments, he he has made some you know profound kind of statements. You can see he's at a different place than he was in Miami, and um, I, I think he is comfortable enough to understand. Uh, and, and, and Mike Wise wrote a great article uh, The post day on the undefeated Off of ESPN.com uh, LeBron's legacy is made Okay I personally don't think One or two more titles One or two more, three more finals Changes anybody's perception Of LeBron James I, right. I, I don't, if, if, he, if he won The next four Against the 80 and two uh, uh, Warriors I don't He's not. He's not going. He's not going to displace Jordan, and and those people that hold on to that. He's not going to improve his stock. And the people that say, you know, he should be in that conversation. He he's reached that point in his career, and we see that. We saw it with Kobe, and you can kind of see that as great as he is, you know, LeBron stopped playing regular opponents, the opponents in front of him years ago. LeBron and all great athletes, at some point, you start playing against those ghosts, right? When you hit that, there's that certain point when you go from really, really good player to all pro to you start knocking off historical greats. LeBron has been in that conversation. I don't think for, like I said, for the rest of his career, he's not going to change his perception. You can put him top three, top five all time you, I, I, he's, he's not going to miraculously you know even if he wins six more titles he, he's not going to be in that conversation uh, I mean he's not going to change his position in people's minds so I think he's comfortable with that at this point you can kind of see he's like I've done everything I can do at some point mm-hmm. you have to be comfortable with your effort you have to be comfortable with what you've done. And to me, right. that's a life lesson. Again, uh, my dad taught me, and I'm sure your dad taught you can do everything right. You can do your best. You can be the best. But that doesn't mean your team's going to win. That doesn't mean you get the big contract at work. That doesn't, you don't land the big account. You don't, whatever your occupation is, that's just the way life works. So I think LeBron has embraced it. He's done everything he can do. We've been watching him since he was a junior uh, in Akron, Ohio. Yeah. His resume is what it is. It's not going to change. There might be a few more, you know, all pro things he can check off and another all-star game and, you know, some, some career milestones as far as numbers. But when you start getting that rarefied air, when it stops being about numbers, you know, he's in the conversation. He's got to say to himself this summer, I have reached all-time great status. I have reached that Mm -hmm. status where the people that have watched me play will tell their kids they watched me play. And now I'm just going to do the best I can and and be okay with that. And for me, I, I I can appreciate that. Because that's who LeBron is. He was not the villain that he was trying to be 
his first year and a half in Miami. That's not him. He's not the he's not the he's not the sneering, just you know you know tough guy that Jordan Glare that Kobe Glare. That's not him. LeBron is like I say he's like Magic. He plays with joy. That is where he gets his edge from: is having fun and playing with joy. And at some point. Whatever your occupation is, you you say I have done everything I can do. I have, yeah. you know, whatever it is. If you're the, if you're a trash man, look, I have collected all the trash. I've been on time, and then somebody else, you know, I've been on time for all this kind of, and somebody else wins trash man of the year. It, it that that is life. That is a life lesson. That's what I'm trying to tell my girls. I so if you're trying to tell your boys, you can do your best, and sometimes your best you. You don't get that dream ending, and that's okay. That is okay because at the end of it, you've got to look yourself in the face in the mirror. You've got to look your family in their faces and know, I did my best. There wasn't anything else I could do. And LeBron, I think, has reached that point where he's comfortable. You know, he's not going to give in to the Skip Baylesses and the, and the Colin Cowherds and, and all these guys. He's comfortable being who he is, and I can appreciate that. Yeah, we talked about how um, the NCAA often kind of lacks discernment. Uh, I think you referenced it as not being able to see the forest for the trees. And the latest instance of that uh, is kind of looking through our group message. Uh, Saw Cameron Mills tweeting about it, and he talks about it often on his show. UCF kicker who feels that he is owned by the NCAA, has a YouTube channel. You've heard more details about it. Like, I've been out of the loop trying to catch up on some things. But, you know, the NCAA is kind of acting the fool on this guy uh, with his YouTube channel. He's a kicker for Central Florida Knights and a native of Costa Rica, but I saw y'all, you know, kind of texting each other about it. What is going on with this young fella here? The NCA is so tone deaf, and and we see it when, okay, the 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 transfer rules. That's kind of uh, with the with the pit guy transferring North Carolina. That is an issue. There's so many little things with the NCAA and so many big things. Uh, you know, for instance, how is this North Carolina case still going? You know, we, we've seen former students say, this is what happened. And how is this still going on? And just this amateurism, I, I don't understand how guys can go play Major League Baseball, which I assume they're not doing for free, and then come back and play football how Olympic sport athletes can go and, and, and generate money and then go compete for their respective college teams. I don't understand that. Football and basketball guys can't do much of anything. I, I don't understand that. And they swear that they're students first, athletes second, but they treat them like employees. And it, it just strikes me because athletes aren't even afforded to be real college students. 
They can't do the same kind of thing. Demands on their time uh, for for one. And, yeah, there, there's perks to it. I, I get that. But at some point, the NCAA is going to have to get out of this 1950s mindset and and get with this billion-dollar-plus industry. And it, it, everybody can make money except the people that the public is paying to see. And, and that, to me, just doesn't sit well. Yeah, Donald De La Haye from Costa Rica, kicker for Central Florida, and he's got uh, his own YouTube channel. Uh, basically, his dad sounds like my dad says that his dad was always at all the family functions, videotaping everything, which included Donald De La Haye Jr. soccer games uh, when he's De La Haye Jr., who is at UCF now, started making videos for himself uh, at age 13. He uh, kind of recorded anything like Call of Duty games like stuff. Uh, and also make sketches about life in school in their neighborhood. When he got to Central Florida, he wanted to create a library of his videos, and he watched as his subscribers skyrocket. He got 55,000 subscribers to his YouTube channel, and apparently anybody else with that amount of subscribers is allowed to make money, but since he happens to be a student athlete, he plays college football, NCAA is saying that he can't, so that's why he's saying he feels like he's owned by the NCAA, and that's why, once again, we're talking about how they are tone deaf, and like I said, just more of the same, but just another instance of their lack of discretion and and lack of being able to be open minded about anything. So so now to the point where this guy's gonna have to make a choice possibly if he's gonna keep kicking, if he's gonna keep his YouTube channel, because I mean he's not making any money anywhere else and in college, you know how that is. So <laughs> keep the channel going and, and bring a little income in until you get done with college. So he's at a crossroads, all due to the NCAA being how they are about everything. They're, they're just tone deaf, and you you hope that at some point there's going to be a change, but the change isn't going to is going to come because there's too many people making too much money to 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 force change internally. It's going to have to be some external changes. You know, so I saw that. I definitely uh, make mention of that as well. Um, we talked about this three or four weeks ago, maybe more, when the, when the promos first started coming out. I missed last night. Like I said, I'm on vacation. I'm out, loop. I'm out and about doing this, that, and other at the pool, at the beach, here and there. The first part of the 30 for 30, Southern versus Lakers, best of enemies, Mike, the uh, second part of the series as tonight at about 8 o'clock. Uh, I know you hoop on Tuesday night, so I don't even know if you saw last night's episode, but uh, did you get to watch last night? Are you planning to watch tonight? Because, I mean, we remember everything that happened back then because we were kids, especially you been a Lakers fan, but uh, I'm definitely going to catch you like on Netflix or, or something else when it does. You know, re air, but I uh, am 
and I know there's a lot of buzz about it. Did you happen to catch it, and do you plan on watching tonight? I did not watch. I played ball. You know, Tuesday night is my ball night, so I played. And uh, I, I've got it DVR'd. I'm going to probably tomorrow watch all the parts kind of back-to-back. Um, so I, I did not uh, watch it. But I, I'm excited about it. You know, I've read the book Showtime by Jeff Perlman on those uh, Lakers teams uh, and how they got to, you know, be that dynasty. So it's going to be interesting. And, I saw Twitter last night, a lot of good comments. And one thing I do enjoy about the um, 30 for 30s is it gives you a lot of context more than just on the court. Like I said earlier, sports, you think it's just X's and O's and points and, and, and numbers, but there's so much more to it. And for me, what separates, what really, I think, holds the imagination for Lakers and Celtics is you've got two cities that are just mere opposites of each other. They're on opposite yeah. coasts. You think uh-huh. L.A. and it's sunshine and beaches and it's laid back. It was made for Showtime. It just, it was just made for it. And you look at Boston and, and Larry Bird and they just, they grinded you out, you know, because that was the big thing between the East Eastern Conference, Western Conference, you remember the, the Eastern Conference, you had to grind it out. You had to get past Boston. Yeah. You know, you had to play Philadelphia in the 80s. You had to play the Atlanta Hawks and the Detroit Pistons. And those were grinded out physical teams. We're out West. Mm-hmm. And now this, is, this isn't to mean that the Eastern Conference didn't have some flair. We've seen highlights of, of, of Larry Bird. And, and, and he, he could play with flair. And, of course, Dr. J, obviously, Isaiah Thomas, but that was kind of the mindset. And conversely, uh, the Western Conference with the high-scoring Nuggets teams of the '80s with Alex English and and, yeah. and Rolando Blackman, Blackman, and, and uh, those uh, Dallas Mavericks teams. They like to run mm-hmm. it done. We remember run run yeah. TMC out in Golden State, <laughs> and and so. Uh, you know, and, and you just look, the Boston Garden was in downtown Boston, and there's, you know, the rail cars going by it, and it's just <laughs> – and then you look at the Forum out in Inglewood. It's out in Inglewood. It's in a suburb of L.A. It's, it's beautiful all the time. And like Tony, Tony, Tony said, it never rains in Southern California. And you've got yeah. your Jack Nicholson's and, and, the, and, and just – you, you couldn't script it any better. You had the Segway – of, of Magic and Larry in the in the uh, championship game, the NCAA championship game, which I still think is the most watched ever, you know, the biggest share ever for a finals. And for them to go to those two teams, and if I remember mm-hmm. correctly, the Lakers got Magic on a flip of a coin or something like that was how they ended up with that pick, if I remember correctly. I mean, it was almost preordained. And as we've touched on, with the Lakers and Celtics combining for eight titles during that stretch, uh, I'm excited about it, even though I think I know it pretty well. Uh, those 30 for 30 yeah. always um, uh, do a very good job of giving you an angle you haven't thought about or providing some some really in-depth uh, introspection on something that you, like you, you thought you know the whole story of. So I'm excited about uh, whatever else you want to say about Bill Simmons and, and – being a homer and everything like that, 
uh, his influence on the 30 for 30s and getting those rolling, uh, that's pretty remarkable. That's a lasting impact. I haven't seen one except for the one that was about Kansas basketball. It was the only one I stopped watching uh, because I thought that was a little over the top. But it, the rest of them that I have seen, I've seen most of them, have been really, really good. Uh, yeah. So I can't wait to sit down and watch it. You know, everybody knows I'm a Lakers fan, so um, I, I'm going to enjoy it, especially because, you know, the Lakers got the best of the Celtics during that run. So, yeah, I definitely want to I definitely want to relive that. That makes it easier for you to watch this one for sure. Um, I think one the one thing I did see on Twitter, it just kind of jumped out at me. I, I don't know what year or which series it was in the finals. But I mean, you probably do right off the bat. But it's Magic making a couple of mistakes in the end of the game, and basically the person tweeted out Magic Johnson with two bonehead plays at the end. And somebody quoted the tweet and said, "If he's playing today, Tragic Johnson would have been trending all over Twitter." I don't remember what it was, or if he made a turnover or something like that. But it it does make you think. Had that series happened today, the the social media buzz about it, you know, something like that, Tragic Johnson would have been something that you would have been trending for the next, you know, 24 hours or so after the game. Well, uh, absolutely. I think that, uh, and I didn't realize that until I read the book, but I believe it was the 84 finals. Magic made plays that cost the Lakers the series. And I didn't realize it at the time, but apparently, uh, I mean, there was, there was talk, local sports radio, as it was back then, Uh it's hard to believe, but was, was magic the man? And it's hard to believe even with the resume he had to that point. So this Uh this thing that LeBron's going through and all this kind of stuff, uh, you know, it's not new. Obviously, with social media, it's more magnified, but I, I think at some point, all the greats were questioned. You know, you and I have talked about that. You know, now, you know, Jordan is deified. Um, but there was a question, could, could his scoring, could he lead a team to a championship? And I remember that conversation. So it's weird to go back. You know, and and I I think it's going to be weird when we talk about, you know, LeBron's career and and some of the guys playing now, some of these freezing cold takes, you know, that uh, (laughs) that's one of my favorite accounts that that brings up some of these old takes on Twitter. In retrospect, those are going to be bad. That's a a bad take. And, and yeah, I I think it was the 84 finals where Magic kind of – no, number one, that Boston team, they they were in a groove. I think they were forty one and one or forty and one at home, just they they were just at a different level yeah. that year. But Magic made some bad plays and it was tragic Johnson. It really was. So I'm, that's something that you know, not being a fan of them and being like six years old <laughs> during that series is something I definitely wanna uh check out as well. Um but the, the reports that uh, LeBron could go west for once in his career, 
and play for the Clippers who you despise or possibly your Lakers at some point in the future. What do you think about that? Will it happen and just talk? I mean, LeBron ain't afraid to move. We, we know that. So. Uh, I mean, it, this is this is me, you know, Lakers fan. I always think the Lakers have a little bit of an appeal, even for a hometown guy. Uh, I think, like I said earlier, I think LeBron's kind of playing with house money for the rest of his career. You know, Cleveland can't be mad if he were to bounce again. He brought them a championship that eluded that city since Jim Brown. Um I don't know how much credibility I give it, but you know, if he wants to play in the Lakers, uh, uh, purple and gold, I, you know, we'll welcome him. That's not going to be a problem at all. Uh, you know, it, it, and that's not unprecedented. I mean, we have seen uh, when, and I just tweeted this out. You know, I've said it before. I keep talking about the Lakers and their super duper stars. They've had a pretty good string of them. And, and if LeBron wants to be part of that, certainly I'd welcome him. Uh, I'd welcome him in. Right now, I think last thing I heard as far as your ladies are concerned, everybody but I think it's Brandon Ingram, too much expendable, movable, or you know they're willing to discuss. Uh, do you agree or disagree with that? And like you said. You know, it is about time for y'all to, to reel in another big star. Uh, but if that doesn't happen, uh, are you, you know, you with that as far as Brandon Neal is concerned? Do you see him developing into a player your legs can build around? I know it's, it's hard for you. <laughs> it, 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 it's hard. And, and honestly, you know, I, I say that, a little bit, you know, puffing my chest out a little bit. But I think in L.A., you need a star. I, I, I don't think you could see, like, what Atlanta has done the last few years kind of being a really, really good team with, you know, and I don't mean to be derogatory, but, but second-tier stars, no marquee stars. Uh, even, yeah. you know, Toronto – uh, you know, Utah got into the playoffs. I know Hayward is on his way, but I think in LA, you have to do what you can. You have to you have to have a star. I, I just I, I don't know. Uh, being a Lakers fan, I don't know how you sell. Hey, we're really good. We got you know good team ball. No, no. You know, for for seventy years, we're used to a certain way the team is built, and I think you kind of have to do whatever you can to, to get that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and the reports that, you know, they, they had dinner, we talked about this last week, you know, had dinner with LeVar and Lonzo and then worked out Lonzo probably without LeVar. Then word comes out that Lonzo didn't really blow him away in the workout. Uh, I know who you hope to see the Lakers draft, you know, be a deer fox. What in your, with your head, what do you think they will do? I know Magic is in there now. I know Jim Buss is out. In, I mean, if you could just guess right now and say, I really, not what I hope, but what you think the Lakers will do. I don't know that's hard to do, but. 
it it it's hard simply because uh, around draft time, and I know this is really prevalent in the NFL, you get a lot of smoke screens and reports that come out depending on uh, you know your sources. You know, there you can say, hey, uh, word on the street is the team is leaning this way, the team is this. Way. I, I I don't know. Uh, obviously, uh, I would love to see. Uh, De'Aaron Fox in the purple and gold. Uh, I think that goes without saying. I think he's a great player. I think he'd be a good fit uh, because as we've seen with what the Warriors have done and even what the Cavs have done, you, you need a couple of really good ball handlers out there. And uh, I think playing uh, Fox and, and, and Russell at the same time would I think would be effective. Um I think Fox's jump shot has come a long way uh, from the start of the season when, you know, he was atrocious. And then he got hurt and was sick. And But once he got healthy, uh, for my money, he was the best player on the court for, you know, Kentucky's run to the Elite Eight, you know, the last, you know, six, seven games or so. So uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know if the Lakers are going to buy into, you know, the 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 Lavar Ball magic of you know hometown kid. No, I I don't know. I'll be just as surprised as everybody when the when the draft comes and the names are announced. Um, we we shall see. It'll be that time before we know it. It'll be the uh, the NBA awards show that we'll get to see for the first time after the season. We'll see how that goes on TNT uh, and the draft and all that. And then we'll be full on into the summertime, uh, waiting for football and basketball to start up. I wrote an article on CameronMillsRadio.com about how UK baseball kind of made that wait a little easier for us than, than we're normally accustomed to. You know, usually basketball ends and then we're just kind of waiting for football. But this time we were on every move the baseball team made, you know, you know, March, April, May, into June, following the baseball team. And so uh, I didn't even realize we were under 100 days to the start of football season because we've been so busy keeping up with what the baseball team is doing uh, because of the excitement that they generated. Uh, as we can attest to, you covering their games in the Super Regional uh, watching them play Florida on the SEC Network when they were in contention to win the East and the SEC overall. Uh, so they just kind of captivated everybody for a couple of extra months. And now, you know, the, the start of football season is a lot closer than normal. Uh, you know, get the SEC media days, and then next thing you know, it's time for the season to start. So uh, I wrote an article about that. Uh, as well as Southern Miss, I still believe is the perfect opponent over the season with because the team ever wanted to get a little bit too big for their britches, you know, going to a bowl game, beating Louisville, recruiting going great. You know, all Coach Stoops has got to do to kind of rail them back in and say, hey, look, the team we're playing came into Lexington to beat us last year. Now we got to go down to their place. Sure, they lost some players and they might not be as good, but they still overcame a 35-10 deficit and 
scored 34 in a row on us at home to start the season in Commonwealth Stadium last year. So I think, if, I mean, you're going to be focused anyway. So Coach Stoops is going to have it the other way. He's already the governor's lunch and talking about the reset button. So last year is in the past. But for any, if you need any extra ammo to keep them grounded, it's the fact that they're playing a team who scored 34 straight to beat them last year and ruined the season opener at home. Right, and, and don't forget that the track season just ended. The women finished fourth in the country, the U.K. women did, and one uh, gold in it was the 4 by 100 I'm going to have to verify yeah. that before we get off the air. Uh, so really, as the sun, and they said the sun never sets on the British Empire, the Kentucky athletic season, it, it, it goes really from August to June. And, and, you know, a couple of plays here and there, and softball and baseball go into deep June. So uh, I'm going to be interested to see because I don't know how the Director's Cup standings work. Uh, but last I saw, uh, the last rankings I saw, Kentucky was ninth, and that's without uh, getting to the Super Arena drills in baseball and softball and the track uh, team finishing uh, the way they did. Uh, so I, I would have liked to, uh, if had they been able to crack through to either one of the College World Series, I'd say, but I think they finished in the top ten, which when you yeah. look at where they were uh, years ago is phenomenal. I mean, you can you can kind of brush that off if you want. At some point, the, this narrative that it's just men's basketball – and nothing else, come on. I, I mean, come on. <laughs> uh-huh. and, and and bizarrely as it seems, the, the women's track team had the best team finish of anybody. Think about it. I mean, look at it. So, uh, uh, I mean, that that's just – and, you know, friend of the show, Michelle uh, Brown, wrote a great article this week on KramerMillsRadio.com about – the job Mitch Barnhart has done. You know, we talked about this before with Jurich and Barnhart, the, the local ADs here. They have been able to raise the expectation, been able to raise the level of play and competitiveness on all sports without sacrificing men's basketball either place. Patino and Cal aren't hurting for resources, aren't scrounging up money. You can do both. You know, you can be successful in your flagship sport and be successful in the others too. As the kids say, get you an AD that can do both. And we've got really, really good ones uh, in, in both places right now. That's it. What was the fallout from the audit? I know they kind of at Louisville. Is that over with? Or is it just starting? Or, uh, you know, as good as they're doing, they still. And it's not like with you know falling stones. It's just calling what it is. Still got some some stuff to kind of fix with the change in administration. Cleaned up a lot of stuff from the previous administration. Admiral. Well, uh, for for those not kind of in the loop, uh, there has been an ongoing uh, forensic audit, uh, basically for U of L as a whole. Uh, the academic and the athletic side. Uh, 
and just a lot of head-scratching things that I, I think uh, even the most diehard Louisville fans would say, you know, we've got to do better. And I'm not going to sit here and throw stones because I don't know. I, I like to think that the 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 people in charge at my school are on the up and up, but you, you don't know. So I'm not going to throw stones. I'm not going to say, oh, you know, all the U of L fans are crooked because this situation. No, no. But as a public institution, U of L has got to do better. And there were just a lot of things that the audit turned up that are questionable payments. Uh, a couple of things stood out to me. Number one, I didn't realize Denny Crum was still on the payroll. You know, he stepped oh. down in 2000 and he's still been getting like 700 grand a year, just in oh. general salary from the university. I, 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 that struck me as odd. What also struck me as odd and has been a point of Tom Jurich's son is on the payroll as a fundraiser for eight hundred grand a year, which, although it's less than what the older Jurich is making, is is athletic director salary money. To be honest with you, I mean it, mm-hmm. that that and the fact that he was not paid through the athletics, he was paid through the academic side with the pretense of avoiding nepotism, that is a little odd. Uh, former, former President James Ramsey, who set up a lot of backdoor payments to Tom Jurich and to a lot of folks on his staff, assistant vice presidents, that kind of thing. As soon as he left, his computer hard drive was, quote, wiped, and then so they could use it again, which those that have paid attention, he left, and people kind of knew that this day was going to come. How can you allow the hard drive to be wiped? Even if it's standard procedure, you have to say, oh, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is going to look bad, and it does look bad. And I don't know if there's more smoke or more fire but you've got to make the university more accountable uh, because more and more people are saying, you've heard it, I've heard it. You know, the men's basketball program is the most profitable uh, program of the country. Yeah. But the, the athletic department isn't carrying its weight. For all this talk about, and I don't know if you remember, at some point this year it became a thing, like how much – you know, the Kentucky volleyball coaches make it. And that became a thing. Uh, somebody wrote about it. And, then, and I don't think they were picking on Kentucky, but that that's not what, you know, the locals heard. Well, do I think in a perfect world, should the chemistry professor make more than a volleyball coach? Yes. Should the dean of the college education make more than Coach Cal? Yes. But we don't live in a perfect world. Okay, we live in the world as it is. So for all your bluster of what different coaches at Kentucky make, what Cal makes, what they spend on Kroger Field, what they spend at Rupp, every year since Barnhart has been here, and we're getting to the end of that fiscal year, I'm saying figuratively he sits down and writes a check 
from athletics to the academic side. Okay? 3% of athletic departments do that. Most, Kentucky does not. Some people gripe, well, they should pay more. Okay, look. At the end of the day, athletics pays into academics. Not so at Louisville. And so a lot of people are saying you can't brag about this if you're charged if the university is being billed for the lights at Papa John's Cardinal Stadium. What? I mean, so a lot of things have come up that you're like, number one, it, I was just like, oh yeah, somebody's got to pay for those lights. Well, why isn't the richest, most profitable program? In America, pulling a little bit more of its weight. Uh-huh. So a lot of good Louisville fans have kind of gotten look. Look, they've they've said enough. There has been just enough embarrassment. We've got to clean this up. And yeah. and I understand that. Uh, but you know how it is when a scandal hits and opposing fans get it. It, it goes back and forth. But most Louisville fans said, "Look, this audit is bad. It looks bad. Let let's clean it up." Yeah, well, that's where we stand, and we shall see that that kind of stuff takes a while. So we'll see once the, the new administration is in there, the the measures they take to start the cleaning up process. Uh, they got a job ahead of them, so uh, they're saying all the right things as far as what they're trying to do. So now the next thing is to get in there and try to. <laughs> to get the ball rolling on cleaning up some of the things that need to be cleaned up there. Not throwing stones, but it is what it is. So that's the case. We'll just talk about it a little bit. If what's happening in the UK, we have to talk about it. Not that we'd be throwing stones, but it would be what it would be. So same thing with you there. Super fun show. Glad you got to cover the regionals out there at Jim Patterson Stadium. Uh, disappointed in the outcome, but the future is bright. Uh, and like you said, the next super region between these two may very well be in Lexington, and the next high state meeting between these two could very well be in Omaha uh, in years to come as well. So uh, baseball, uh, both programs, uh, two preeminent state schools uh, is trending upward. Uh, it was fun to see, you know, the exciting season. Perhaps again, Coach Ben Jones, Coach of the Year, uh, Rollins coach of the year as well as all the players and White again getting drafted by the Seattle Mariners. As always, we love hitting the NBA. And you and I can remember this being the same age. We remember back to some of the same back in the day type stuff. Old up until now because we always keep up with it religiously. Uh, we'll look forward to the rest of the summer starting next week as we roll into football, uh, work in a little bit of baseball, our Orioles and Braves aren't doing super hot. Uh, the Orioles did at least start well. They cooled off. Uh, my Braves just won a series against the Nationals in Washington for the first time since April of 2014. Uh, that lets you know how things have been going for my Braves lately. But it's always good to beat the Nationals in a series. So I will take that. Uh, congratulations to the Braves today. But we'll do all that, much more fun stuff. Check out Terry and myself 
on CameronMillsRadio.com. We'll always be writing different things, having articles come out. Uh, so we look forward to football and basketball season pick up. Congratulations again to the track team and the baseball team and the softball team, uh, as well as all the other teams in the UK across the board. If you know more, just UK basketball only. So I look forward to doing it again next week. Uh, congrats on the condo, and look forward to doing it all again next week. Have fun once again, Terry, homeowner, Mr. 502 Brand. That's right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Vinny. Enjoy the rest of your vacation, man. Hey, appreciate it, man. I'm to run back out to the pool and see what the wife and kids and our best friends are all doing and splash around the rest of this evening away. So uh, we'll see everybody next week. And thanks again for listening to Cat Talk Wednesday. Vinny Hardy, Terry Brown, Red Hardy Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com. We'll see you all next week.